Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Okay, so before I dive into my guests, I want to talk about some of the things that I've been watching and listening to this week. I saw the Kid 90 documentary on Hulu that was directed by Soleil Moonfry. Um, I thought it was really interesting. It was good. I liked it. It was, um, if you're interested, if you're a kid of the 90s or just interested in the 90s at all, it, it's interesting. Uh, she, it's basically, she, she videotaped everything, everything. And it kind of gives you a window into what it would have been like to be sort of a famous teenager in the 90s in Los Angeles, hanging out in those circles. And it's kind of astounding the amount of people that were in and out of her life that you will recognize. So I do recommend it. Um, ended up deep diving on a big binge of a show that premiered on Stars seven years ago. So I'm really with the times, but was recommended to me by Andy Denhart of, um, of Reality Blurred because it's now on Tubi. Shout out to Tubi. My cousin works for ad sales for them. You can see all 10 episodes of The Chair. So The Chair, in case you missed it, which I did, I remember it existing and I feel like I may have watched a little bit of the first episode. It seemed familiar, but I was a big fan of Project Greenlight on HBO um, with Chris Moore, who was a producer with Matt and Ben, and he's done American Pie and a lot of big movies since then, including Goodwill Hunting, and I'm forgetting the others. But he always wanted to know, it was his idea, because he always thought, if you give the same material to two different directors, how different will the movies be? And this really resonated with me because my dream has always been to give the same material to two different editors to see what it would be. Because to me, editors are just, each of them so different than the next and how they approach material and edit material is so different. So this was the next best thing. Um, and so it was actually Shane Dawson, not a spoiler, you find that out in like the first five minutes, and this woman, Anna Martimucci. Um, and you follow them on this journey for literally 10 hours. I mean, some of it, it's a lot. I mean, you have to basically from conception to execution and even distribution. So you have to really be into the behind the scenes of how the sausage gets made, um, as well as just sort of film and, and crafting a story and directing and writing. I mean, it's, it's pretty it's pretty deep divey. I loved it. Um, but I get that it's probably not for everyone, which is probably why it did only one season, but I recommend it. Also quickly saw the trial of Chicago seven on Netflix, which I really actually thought was very good. I was not expecting to like it that much. Um, and kind of a companion piece almost, uh, to that is Judas and the black Messiah, which was on HBO max for a limited time. I don't believe it's on HBO Max, but I would even buy it. The performances by Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya are incredible. I mean, really, they're to me, they're probably better than the actual movie. But historically, to kind of understand that period and the Black Panthers, again, in conjunction with what, what Trial of Chicago 7 touches on, I thought was incredibly interesting and important historically. Really quick, you can absolutely miss Marriage or Mortgage. I tried one episode. It was horrendous. First of all, it's a huge mop. We've all had that idea 50 times over. And I won't even say like, thank God somebody executed it well, because to me, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's produced fine, but the talent is the whole format. is just not a fan. If you are a fan, let me know. I'd love to hear why you like it. But to me, I just, I really, really worked hard to get through that one episode. And I'm like, yeah, guess what? I'm out. Last but not least, I'm listening to a really 
really well done, but very disturbing podcast. Again, 2018, I guess I'm just catching up on content. Um, I was interested in this story. It's called the Broken Hearts podcast. Um, You can find it everywhere you get podcasts. And it's the very heartbreaking story about the Hart family, the two women, Jen and Sarah, and their six adopted children. The mothers are white and the children are black. And they crashed, they basically drove off a cliff um, and killed their whole family. So it's a deep dive into what happened. It's, it's like I said, it, it's tough. It is really tough. Um, there was a lot of abuse there going on for years before this happened. So it is not for the faint of heart, but very well done. And, and shout out to Justine Harmon, one of the hosts who I had on the podcast about a year ago um, for her podcast, The Baron of Botox. So... If you kind of like that deep dive into true crime and can handle the intense subjects, I do recommend it. So today on the podcast, incredible showrunner and Oscar and Emmy-nominated director Lauren Lazen and vice president of development for Buna Murray, Dave Sambuki. Both are executive producers of the new seven-part documentary series on E! called For Real, The Story of Reality TV. So I was lucky enough to help develop this series. It drops on March 25th and it'll be aired across multiple NBC Universal platforms like Bravo, USA, Peacock. This show truly has it all. From the roots of reality with MTV's The Real World to celeb reality, starting with the Osbournes and of course, bookending with the Kardashians to dating shows, to competition shows, and of course, the reality show presidency we just endured. It gets to the deeper questions, too, of how does the culture impact reality television? And, of course, how does reality television impact the culture? It also gets to the reasons behind why do we love to watch it? So whether you're inside the business or just a fan of the genre, you will love to hear all of these stories and behind the scenes of how these shows came to be. And we even go behind the scenes of how this show was made. Um, Lauren and Dave, give me some good gems, including how they pulled off 150 interviews in a global pandemic. Well, I'm very excited to have you both here. David and Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. So to refresh everyone's memories, the last time I saw you two in person was, I don't know if you remember this, literally the day before the world went into lockdown, right? So happy anniversary. Yeah, right. (laughs) This is the same week. Yeah. I mean, literally we're recording now on a Sunday and we went in the last time I saw you guys was I think Thursday of that of a year ago. It's insane. March 12th. And I feel like Lauren, you were a little bit ahead of the curve because I remember we ordered salads into the conference room and you had on the gloves and you were like already figuring out your flight back that night. Like you knew, I think we were all knew something, but you were like, yeah, this is no joke. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it scared, it scared me when you came. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> She's wearing gloves. Up. Yeah, this is serious. Yeah. Like, oh, this might be uh, worse than I thought. Yeah. Well, that's what's so amazing to me now a year later. So I, you know, as I said in my intro, I helped develop the project. And then, you know, like all development, you, you hand it off and then it gets made. Uh, hopefully, right? In this case, seven amazing episodes later. Uh, but again, like I said, we literally, I mean, we, and then I worked for a, a couple of weeks in the lockdown, but, but this entire production happened during COVID. So first of all, you know, I'm clapping. You can see me, I'm clapping because that's not an easy feat. And I got to be honest now that it's over. I thought there's no way they're going to be able to do this in COVID, but you did it. And I mean, kudos. Cause it's, it's really, the interviews look great. 
Um, talk about, before we sort of dive into the content, I would love to know kind of like how you pulled it off. What was the game plan? I mean, the game, whatever the game plan was, was scratched because the game plan was to, to um, have, you know, book four full, full days in the BMP studio in LA uh, or in Glendale, and then have, you know, it was on the calendar that Andy would come out for, for one weekend, uh, shoot for two days and, and uh, fly back to New York and then come back later in the calendar to kind of pick off more of his, of his uh, interview stuff. Um, but so that was what our calendar calendar was kind of based around. And then, and then numbers started spiking and, and New York was like really getting hit hard. And Andy's like, I, I'm not that comfortable uh, getting on a plane right now. So we're, I mean, and we couldn't blame them. So we had to call an audible <laughs> and like, I mean, that was like a big, oh my gosh, now what do we do? Um, because we had, you know, we had a set being designed at the time for, for LA and they had all the schematics for our, our stage. And, uh, and we were going back and forth with the network as far as looks and even down to couches. And then that all kind of went out the window when we got closer to the dates that he was supposed to come out. So that was a big, a big pivot or, or curveball, one of many curveballs. Yeah, but you were able to do, I mean, I was so amazed how many interviews you were able to do, I'm assuming green screen, um, but in person. And so Lauren, it seemed like you, were you in New York directing remotely? Like, how did it all work? Well, now we need the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes, right? <laughs> Dave's right. Making this show was exactly like making a reality show. We had it all planned out and then reality happened and we had to quickly think on our feet and how are we going to tell this story? We had a great technical support team from Buna Murray Productions and they figured out so much of this. We had a great set design that we ended up kind of splitting in two, half in New York and half in LA. And the interviews were shot either in the LA studio or we sent you know, kits out and they were shot on green screen. But even just, of course, anybody shooting in the studio, there was COVID testing. I remember in the very beginning, they they said, okay, we're gonna have to, everyone that's gonna be on this is gonna have to get a COVID test. Everyone's gonna have to get a COVID test. And I was like, there is no way we can ask people to be a part of the show and have to take a COVID test. It just seemed extraordinary. Like nobody would do that and everybody did it. And then people were kind of happy to do it. Um, but it just seemed like such an extreme thing to ask of people. And what was um, the setup? So, so you were remote and then there was just like a skeletal crew at people's homes or offices? Well, the crew was at Buna Murray in the studio, in the LA studio for the okay. most part. Got it, got it. And we basically did interviews over Skype and then the Video Village was over Zoom. So a lot of different people could watch on Zoom and like feed me or whoever was doing the interview texting questions. So there was a lot of like people texting, ask them this, ask them that. Um, it was, yeah, and when we did the big events with Andy, uh, which we did, um, except for the first one, which actually was in LA, which was the last one taped. 
uh, everything which one else. Was, which one was that? Kardashians. Yeah. Because that was taped on the set. Right, um, right. But um, everything else was taped in New York. And we basically had to do a parallel shoot day where, you know, there were interviews happening. There were these events happening. Everything had to design wise look good. We really wanted to avoid that COVID interview look where people are looking straight ahead. Like we wanted to have the back of Andy's head and over the shoulder and really make it feel like he was interacting with people because that's more his style anyway. He's very engaged with the person he's talking to and they're engaged with him. So rather than have it just be a flat screen, a Brady Bunch screen, we constructed it in such a way so that they were looking at monitors. And uh, in the end, I think it cut together really well. It actually, I think it looks awesome. It does. And it, and and I think also you you have the benefit of a year now or, you know, a little less of us watching you know, mm-hmm. and those of us who, of course, are Ian Bravo watchers watching Andy and, and watching interviews done. I mean, he's been doing his show with people in monitors for a long time now. So I think we're trained in a way so that it can seem completely natural to me. It almost seemed like a added bonus because it looked so good um, to have that kind of interaction on a screen with somebody. It felt as intimate as if they were sitting there and the ones that he had to do remotely. It was like a it was like a complex uh, like a, a math problem figuring out eye lines. <laughs> I mean, for one, I mean, was, yeah, it was like it was like a, a, a screws with your head when you try to figure out eye lines. Yeah, you can't it, get it perfect every time. I noticed that, but but I for the most part, really good. No, thank the, you. The nail biter was the real world reunion because we wanted them all to be in the same room together for the first time in 20 years. And we were gonna bring everyone to New York, but this was when, okay, you have to quarantine for 14 days, so we can't ask them to do that. Well, maybe this one can drive. If they, This one can come in from a city where you don't have to quarantine. It was so complicated up to the very, very, very end. I mean, right before we shot where we ended up bringing everybody to LA and only Andy was in New York. And I'm not even, I'm not even sure Lauren knows the, the full, the full details of how close we were to not making, not pulling it off because uh, I was, I was pretty much in charge of, um, I mean, they, they had, they had to get COVID tests uh, and fly to LA. So Norm was in the upper peninsula of Michigan in the middle of nowhere with at his at his I think his parents' house or his grandparents' house. And he, and we were getting to the the deadline of when he could get a, a COVID test and send it and for, for it to arrive to to uh for him to get his test before he got got on his plane. So we were we were quickly uh, approaching that deadline and he was just like I'm 200 miles away from a FedEx and they're telling me and the closest ones telling me they're closed for the weekend because it was I think it was a holiday as well. So we were like, are you kidding me? And uh, I ended up, I mean, I swear I was on the phone with like pizza delivery guys to see if they, if I could get them to, to drive to Norm, pick up his test and drive it into Madison, Wisconsin, where like Nicholas's box was and, uh, and, and um, drop it off. And it ended up, I ended up calling a, a cab company, a cab driver went to go pick up, instead of picking up Norm, drove 200 miles from Madison and picked up the test. And then was nice enough to deliver it back in, into a, a FedEx box. And we, we, so the whole, the whole thing depended on this, this cab driver who we didn't know that we 
could have just driven off with it and said, thanks for the money. Yeah. That's a great story. I love, I love that. So let's actually dive into the reunion because, you know, this is one of the, one of those things when you start to conceive of a show from, from ground zero and it's like, yeah, let's do a real world reunion. But I mean, it was one of those like, haha, let's just put it on paper and kind of like see if we can actually get any traction. But to be truthful, I didn't think in a million years that was going to happen. So not only did, t- and I don't know, Dave, if you can talk about sort of the Buna Murray of it all, because obviously you guys, you know, started the real world and, and then the Viacom, the, the Paramount plus thing happened and MTV. So how did, like, what came first and how did that all come together? Cause that was really exciting. And I thought you guys did an amazing job with it too. Yeah. I mean, th- th- uh, this came first. We, we, I mean, it was on paper with, uh, with you when we were developing it. So, so we thought it was possible because we had, you know, we had everyone's numbers and, and certain people at our company keep, keep tabs and, uh, on certain people and, uh, are actually friends with them. So, um, yeah, we thought it was possible. We, we did, I mean, I don't even remember if we tried to get the entire cast just because I, I think because of COVID, we were just, let's just get a few key players and, and we knew the conversations they could have and how, they would be so um we ended up with four and and uh yeah it was i swear it was a miracle (laughs) um but it was so beautiful like i was really happy with with how the reactions all around you know i won't spoil it part of the challenge part of the challenge was not only bringing them to la and quarantine and COVID testing before the plane, after the plane, but to actually keep them from seeing each other before they came on air, because we wanted that to be genuine. Yep. I forgot about that as well. So, Which is such a reality trope. You know what I mean? Like it's the old talk shows where it's like, okay, keep the camp separate. This is going to be the first time. And again, like you said, Lauren, when you're navigating that remotely also, you know, and trying to, I mean, there's so many challenges, but you could tell, listen, it paid off. It was a very genuine reunion. And and that is the, that moment is make or break. And you got yeah, the I've, I've spent so many hours in reality television, keeping people on ice just to, just <laughs> yeah. so you can get that real reaction. And yeah. I'm glad it, it paid off. It did. So I know you guys cast a super wide net. I mean, the interview list of people that you wanted to get, and it runs so deep, obviously so many people have touched so many things in this business over the last 20 plus years. And some people, as you've shown throughout the series, have touched multiple things across. You're like, wait, what? Why is he talking about that? And then you realize, oh, wow, he was on that show 15 years ago. So how did I'm curious, Dave, from sort of like the um, production point of, you know, the the booking point of view, how was it kind of like the dog the the tail wagging the dog in terms of like okay whoever we can get will build that story around them or let's stick to our stories and then try to get everyone involved from that no, show it was so much so much <laughs> all of it <laughs> i mean it was so hard i mean that was probably the most challenging thing about covid like we had a, a list of uh people we wanted to go after and uh, of course you start on the top of the list with the with the um the biggest stars and you start start just casting your net um, and then you, yeah, you have to, and then <laughs> interview days are, are quickly approaching that are on the calendar. So you're just like, okay, let's just start plugging people in and building, building people into those days. Um, I mean, it was, that was the most challenging because th- then 
even if you have someone booked for a certain day to interview them, you have kind of an idea what they're going to talk about, but it's only, I mean, you know, only until you really start asking them questions and they start telling you this stuff that really you can't Google, then, then and only then you can start really figuring out what your episodes are going to be. And then, uh, and you're like, oh my gosh, we didn't think they were going to mention that show. So now we have to go into that direction a little bit. I mean, it was, it was such a chicken and egg all along, like the whole thing. Um, but I, I mean, it's, it's funny. We had a we had a whole list of people that like hopefuls per episode who we who we thought we wanted to go after, and then you know the budget comes in and you're like, oh gosh, we really we could really only afford like five or six people to talk, you know, talking heads per episode. I mean, I mean, as far as money goes, but then because of COVID and because we had to create these uh, these uh, remote kits all of a sudden, that actually opened the door to kind of. We had we had this one engine running in our studio where people were rotating, and then this total other uh, the B crew who was who was dealing with sending remote kits re and getting returned remote kits and then downloading them. So it actually opened open. I mean, it wasn't that expensive. It was we were we were having to pay for for shipping, and so we got actually a lot more um, people than we were expecting, which which caused other you know then. Then Post wasn't happy with us because there was so so much uh, media. Yeah, but it was yeah. also, I mean, look, as someone you know works behind the scenes, and that's what's so great about it. It's like it has this sort of like two layer appeal, right? It has the appeal to like the reality TV fans, and then it has the appeal to us to like see all our friends talking and hearing the stories. I mean, there were a lot of juicy. I'm not going to spoil things for people, but there's some really good like stuff where I was like, whoa, I mean, multiple times, which again, like when we went into it, we were hoping for those moments. And I'm always skeptical that people are going to really show how the sausage is made or, it's, you know, make themselves look bad or, you know, I don't think anyone made themselves look bad, but, you know, copying to things that happen. Those were exciting moments. I don't know how much you guys knew going into the interviews that you were going to get some of those surprises. Well, we did do pre-interviews with um, pretty much everybody that we could. So that helped a lot. Um, and then, of course, after we had a layer of interviews, we had, well, he said this, so let's have them respond to that. I mean, it's interesting because we did start with our friends. I know the first batch of people were, you know, my friends from MTV and Dave's friends from MTV and from Buna Murray. And I mean, <laughs> that was our first week. And I think the word did get out that this was like a fun interview to do. Um, there were a couple of people who are at other networks now and they weren't allowed to talk because even about things they did in the past. And that was a shame because there were some great stories. Um, but something Dave and I realized pretty quickly was, hey, people who make reality TV are really good storytellers. Like they're all, we could have done it without any celebrities and just had the behind, behind the scenes people. And it would have been completely entertaining. I mean, I, I so agree. Know yeah. how to tell a story. And it, you're right. I was thinking that too, watching it, like they know where to pause for the dramatic punchline. And, you know, they kind of, they very crisp, crisp sentences because they know you're going to edit them. And it's, it's probably also subliminal training that we all have just from being on the other side. Right. Also, I think that people who are drawn to working into reality TV, there's two sides of it. There's the one side where you have to be very professional and very on point. And then there's another side to it where it's kind of like nobody's taking themselves too seriously. 
hey, we're, we're all, everybody that's in it is in it to have fun making this. And it's a genre that's fun to make and fun to watch. And you don't want to take it too seriously. But on the other hand, we're all deadly serious about making entertaining um, and informative programs. The, the harder interviews were, you know, we did have a number of critics and um, writers, and of course they were awesome, but to really think how to best use them. Because as you know, the episodes were thematic and we had themes to start with and then those themes evolved. And you have a critic or a writer or an academic or a journalist and you want them to touch on like which theme can they speak on? What what idea can they advance? Uh, those had to be really thought through. And I, I say the big the biggest shame in this whole thing is that we interviewed probably near 150 people, and we didn't. I mean, we interviewed each one around an hour, some some more than an hour. So when you think about we we did seven hours, we cut it all down into seven hours, seven episodes. And then some of those episodes are Andy's sit downs and, and reunions and all that. So honestly, we, there's so so many hours of unbelievable stories that are there, are, are still just sitting there. And it, and I also was thinking about one thing: how meta this is that I'm that I'm talking about this show with you right now, and you're asking me about the interviews because so when I it was like years ago when I when John Murray was uh, was like pulling together. Um, a bunch of stuff for a one-man show he was doing. He was pulling together stories and all that, um, and he ran it by us, like his first his first pass at his one-man story. And there were so many unbelievable stories. I was like, how how is there not a reality like a history of reality television uh, series? So just off of his stories, and then it was kind of the same time where I was really into your podcast and hearing hearing everyone come on in this long form and just just gush, like really good insider stories. So I was like, with between all the stories that are being told on podcasts and and for like John Murray and all the the big uh, pioneers, how many stories they have, I'm like, how could there not be an incredible series? So, and, look, and, and it came to fruition. Yeah. And I'm going to take that one step further. I want to hear all the stuff that didn't make into the show on a podcast, a companion podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> I do too. And we, we yeah, yeah. Right. We should, I mean, yeah. you could put that behind yeah. a paywall and I know we would all, I mean, I would pay to listen to some of those great stories. Um, so Andy Cohen was not just a host, he was an EP on it. And I know that was a big part of it. And that was definitely a highlight for me. I was doing a few calls with him because I'm a fan. Um, he also, I'm assuming talking about, you know, booking these interviews, I'm assuming he had to pick up the phone a few times. I'm thinking in the housewife arena and put um, and right. And, and cause the, they want to please Andy and, and do it for him. I don't, you know, was that where he had to come in, especially with the housewives? He did. And I would say he also curated the housewives. It was like, who was going to be fun for us to talk to. Um, I mean, working with Andy is great because obviously he is a producer as well as on-air talent. So he knows what he wants. He makes decisions really quickly. He gets where something is going really quickly. So when he's a storyteller, you know, and, and can get a story out of someone really well. Uh, so that we had him on two layers, you know, well, three layers, you know, just how people love Andy and want to talk to him and his skill on camera and his understanding of, you know, what it takes to make a good show. 
Uh, but we did have, we had booking help from Bravo and E, you know, they have a lot of, they have a wide net. So uh, really the tougher thing was not getting people to say yes. The tougher thing was like, how were we going to shoot them on our timeline? Because people were available because it was COVID, but also a lot of people were like, I don't want to put on pants, you know? <laughs> and they didn't really have to. I mean, I guess you did have kind of a wider shop, but yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I was thinking, I'm sure you guys were thinking this too, during the narr- his narration when he's talking about Top Chef and Project Runway, I'm thinking he must be dying to tell his stories. I mean, he was a part of so many, a queer eye, you know, all of these iconic Bravo shows that he was there for that he probably had a hand in buying. Uh I think at one point he did say, let's do it. What was the story where he said, I said, okay, let's do it. Oh, it was Vanderpump. Vanderpump, Vanderpump Rules. Yeah. yeah. So that mm-hmm. was fun. But I kept thinking like, God, I want to hear Andy's story of of these shows. And I know you can't include anything, but I wonder, was he like, was, did you consider that at one point? Like, what if we integrated his kind of POV? We wanted him to bring more of that, but I think he didn't want to make himself the story, you know, but uh, yeah, he does have good stories. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it was like really a big thing in the back of our heads is to keep the the balance of this the the whole thing and not make it too, I mean not make it too NBCU heavy. So we we wanted to spread the love, of course, and 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 the uh, the stories are hopefully all across the board from you know from reality. So uh, yeah, he he probably I mean he could have his own he could have his own uh, his own series on just stuff that's in his head, right? But we had to, had yeah, to spread it around. like the the Zelig of at least the the Bravo stuff. Yeah. So I think you know back to uh, what you were saying about using the critics. I think it was a really great balance because I think you know there's a temptation with when you approach the history of reality, right? Like how hard do we go on sort of the, cause you could get very academic, you know? And I think even at points in development, we got kind of academic because it is really fascinating about like, you know, you brought in, I love Lucy, you know, and it's like, wow, the straight line from that to, you know, where we are now. And then um, sort of the critique around certain shows and, you know, does the culture impact TV or does TV impact the culture? I mean, there's so many fascinating threads and I, and this is not really a question, but it's more just a comment that I think he did an excellent job of hitting everything, um, but not hitting us over the head with every, you know, like, you really need to strike that balance of like making it smart, but also making it entertaining. And I think that's a very thin needle to thread. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, it, it's, I'm glad you, are saying that because you helped develop it and you saw what it became. So I'm glad nothing was really, uh, that, that was the goal really is the balance. I mean, it could, it could have gone, I mean, you could take that whole, you could take the whole genre and go dark with it if you wanted to, because there's, there's so much darkness, but then there's so much to celebrate. So, yeah. So, uh, well, and that was another thing I think that you, that was another tough balance to strike, right? Cause you did have to go to some, some dark places and, um, but ultimately, yes, I think it, it came out as a celebration, but it's sort of like, what is reality TV? It's exposing warts and all, right? So it, again, very meta. Yeah. And by the way, another very meta thing I had to comment on that I loved was Andy's teases. Like, has she lost the, have they kept off the weight? You know, like, this is so great that we're using literally the tropes within the show. Perfect. I'm assuming that was intentional. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And they all, work. That's all Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was it was really, really good. So I want to dig in a little bit into the episodes. Um, and again, I don't want to spoil for people that are going to watch because everybody should watch. But, um, you know, it's interesting that um, you start off kind of really with the Osbournes and they were such pioneers. Um, and that's a great, a great story of how, you know, and so many stories in in our business are are come from spinoffs of, you know, the germ of an idea and sort of like the Osbournes kind of came out of cribs, um, but very sort of serendipitously. So I don't know if, if either of you want to kind of talk about, and again, why you focused on the Osbournes is kind of like your launching point for this. Well, I was at MTV during that time. As you know, I was um, the head of news and documentaries and cribs was one of my series. And I remember that moment when they started working with the Osbournes on this other kind of show. And I really, when I first saw the Osbournes, I didn't know how to watch it. I literally didn't know how to watch it because it wasn't a documentary and it wasn't scripted and it was totally entertaining, but like my brain couldn't figure out the narrative of it. But that form of storytelling took off in a big way. And it was very interesting at that time because again, we were sort of doing these linear, you know, news and docs things. And then there was this other kind of storytelling happening. Um, I think revisiting Anna Nicole was super interesting. I mean, revisiting these stories from the perspective of time um, and who these people became and what happened to them afterwards, uh, that was something we wanted to look into as much as we could is the effect of being on these shows on the people who live them. Yeah, it was very chilling. You had that um, telling bite from Howard K. Stern, her attorney, that said, you realize you're being exploited, right? And, it, you know, you think about every, it's like, you know, the life flashes and pictures of the last 20 years. And you think about like Britney Spears now and just kind of like, again, cause and effect and would she be living would she be doing the exact same thing if the cameras were off you know it, it's it's a good question and I think back then especially because it was such a new medium you could argue that it wasn't necessary you know I mean it helped so much but it also like you explored with her it could have hurt I, don't, I just don't know what, what is your guys take on it after doing those after kind of deep diving on that story um yeah it's it's a sad story to me. It's just like, as far as Anna Nicole's, I, I was still, my head was still back in the Osbournes, like just thinking about how, how, like if you want to define gold, how, I mean, I always think about like, if, you, if you're a photographer and you go to New Zealand and you blindfold yourself, you can't, and you just take pictures, you could come out with gold, right? Great pictures. And that's kind of like the Osbournes were, right? You can't, you cannot get a more fascinating uh, extra family who, who, it was probably it was probably so cool to just put cameras on it and let it and let it go and and watch it happen. Yeah, I can't remember which exec was saying like kind of the beauty of it is that literally nothing was happening and nothing needed to happen for it no. to be gold. And I was curious, like, do you think that a show like that would ever work today? Like, is there even an equivalent? Well, here's the tough thing: is that. Um, some of the producers note during the Osborne's time, they just shot everything. 
So they had so much time to edit it down. And now that reality TV has become more of an industry, you have a limited period of time to edit. And a lot of the shows, most of the shows now have production and post-production happening at the same time, which drives me crazy, but I understand (laughs) why we do that. But, you know, you don't have necessarily the luxury of just letting things happen and then find, like you would in documentary, I'm going to find the story later. So I don't know that we have the luxury uh, today. However, what we do have today is people filming themselves. So um, you do, and you have people now, you know, there is like larger than life personalities are rewarded on reality TV, you know, would they be larger than life in real life anyway? Probably, but they get rewarded on reality TV. And I think it's just tough then when the cameras stop and, you know, where's my audience? Where's my reward? I'm still me. (laughs) Right. I think the other thing that's changed, I mean, you kind of, you bookend the, the first episode with the Kardashians and you know, they're executive producers on the show and they have been. And I, I kind of love when Courtney said, you know, you try to you try to cut out the bad edits, but you can't always, you know, and, and, and that is a huge shift, right? Because they're already curating what you're seeing. It's already been through several layers of reality. I put that in quotes in my hands um, at that point. So that's a huge shift that happened as our star, our stars got savvier over the years. You know, I mean, to me, you would never... In a million years, you're not going to get a celebrity to do a reality show now and not have them have cut, you know, I don't say final cut, the network would, but they're going to be an EP. That's just already baked into it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, I was just thinking back to like all of, we asked everyone pretty much what's your definition of reality? And it was so interesting just hearing the different philosophies and, and then companies are built on those philosophies. So, I mean, with Bina Murray uh, and John was just saying, it's just authenticity is, is really um, where it's at. And then there are other companies who make, you know, huge franchises out of uh, tinkering a little bit more behind the scenes, but I don't know, it's, it's, it runs the gamut, but with the, uh, the cards, it's like a whole, it's, a whole, it's, a, it's, it's, it's its own animal, really, the Kardashians. Um, just how it's evolved. Yeah. And, and you did a good, a good job, obviously it's your show too, of, of kind of showing the evolution. Did you, yeah, can I just say one more thing yeah, about the Osbournes having been at MTV during that time period, the brilliant thing that the Osbournes did, and this is Sharon is they owned the footage. No, it, it occurred to them to own the footage, which, you know, by the time, this became such a massive hit and such a massive franchise and everybody realized, oh my God, they own the footage. You know, how did this happen? That was a very interesting shakeup <laughs> very early on. And I mean, you have to give kudos to her for having that foresight. So did they own the show essentially then? Mm-hmm. They own the footage. Yeah. Wow. The show, which, oh, you know. wow. You're getting now another behind the scenes yeah. nugget. Very interesting. Wow. So that's a goldmine. Interesting. So um, just Dave, you mentioned just you asked people about the word reality. Did you guys also I mean, you're calling it history of reality. 
I always, you know, kick myself for calling my podcast reality of reality because now, of course, when you tell people what you do, you say, I work in unscripted, I work in nonfiction. You would never say I work in reality. Did you even have a conversation? Like, do we even go there about the word reality or is it just like, this is what we're, we're talking about? No, I, I uh, think we just, I mean, it's, it's a term. And so you, I mean, it, and it deserves, it deserves, uh, I mean, it has its own history. So I don't think we avoided it at all, but the, the, um, the scope of definitions were very interesting. Yeah. And yeah, some people had a hard time saying the word, you know, <laughs> I, I, I got the feeling that, yes, they, they would use unscripted and replaced it. It's like the Fonz saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I look at the influence it has. I look at a film like Nomadland, which incredibly beautiful film. And she has real people in that film being themselves, which is 100% what a lot of celebrity TV is. So it's not that far from the way a lot of TV shows are made. Um, there's, she obviously brought a lot of artistry to it um, and a framework, but this idea of people playing themselves, and of course now with social media, um, I always call it nonfiction, but I don't even know that that's the right word. It's really interesting that you brought that up because I, I thought the same thing watching. It was beautiful. And, and I thought, God, this feels like a documentary. And the irony now that scripted's trying to make things seem more like doc, <laughs> right? Before it was like, no, 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 that's dirty. We don't want to go near there. And now it's like just, you know, one camera, not dual, you know, let's make it feel supernatural. So I guess yeah, the, we won. The thing, that, the thing that used to always drive me crazy was you'd see commercials or something that were supposed to seem doc-like and they'd have like terrible cuts and shaky camera to make it seem more real or authentic. Meanwhile, all the professionals who are working in the genre are trying to make it look as beautiful as possible. <laughs> right, and, that's so funny. Know, You're like, what are you saying? <laughs> have some of the best editors working in this genre um, including on our series. I mean, that, that is something I wish we could have gotten into more because I think there is a whole, just the craft of editing these series uh, is just developed into such an art form. Yeah, and I think what people also don't realize, I noticed this on a lot of podcasts where people do recaps of shows that like those editors, those editors deserve an Emmy. And Yes, of course. Like you said, we have wonderful editors, but there's also something called a story producer and story producers yeah. are making those creative decisions. Not that editors aren't creative too, of course. I mean, they're producers as far as I'm concerned, but I think that that gets lost in sort of like the layperson's terminology about how the sausage gets made, you know, and that's 100%. sort of annoying. A hundred percent. So you have a whole episode about dating. Um, and it was interesting, of course, because The Bachelor being sort of the goat of all the dating formats, when all of the stuff broke, like the last few weeks, were you like, oh, my God, because it's almost a little awkward now, right, when you get into it and you can't keep up. You can't keep up now with the news, you know, even the Trump stuff, although we bleep out his name on my podcast, Um <laughs> That's already dated, right? In a way, because it's like, well, think, well, we moved on, and and you know, I thought like, oh, I I'm to blame because of course I introduced that in the development phase, but now seeing it, it's like, oh, I don't want to see it. But of course, you had to include it. And I wrote in my notes, it's like, of course, he became president. It's like, 
it came to its natural fruition. Like we created the beast, here's the beast, but we never thought really <laughs> that it could have the catastrophic effects that it could have. So sorry, that was a all over the place. <laughs> so I don't even know where I started. Yeah, I started with the bachelor and I, exactly. I started at the bachelor and I ended on Voldemort as I like to call him. Believe me, I would have had a lot more on that to me was, I mean, when we started to look at The Apprentice, like I had never watched him when it was on or maybe had glanced at it. A, you forget how huge it was, how, what, a, what a massive hit it was for years and years, legitimately. Like there were actual ratings and it was actually good. <laughs> right, those and were not lies. His <laughs> position on the show, it's just mind boggling when you know what comes after it. It was fascinating to look at again, fascinating. Yeah, I mean, uh, I love the way you juxtaposed kind of the the tricks of the trade, the way that he entered the convention versus how he entered the apprentice set. I mean, damn, you know, as, as brilliant a producer as Mark Burnett is, you just think like, oh my God, what have you done? What have you done? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, look, I get, I get it. I mean, that's a discussion in this the context of this show that has to be had. You cannot acknowledge any of what's happened in the last 20 years without dedicating some segment to him. I mean, I, I totally acknowledge that. Was it, were there notes from the network or was Andy resistant? I mean, I could tell even it was like his VO was dripping with sarcasm there too, <laughs> which I appreciated. It was a delicate balance. I probably pushed things more than anybody wanted to, but you know, we didn't want the show to take this whole big political turn, but, uh, trying to keep it within the confines of what was what he learned by doing this kind of show, what the audience learned by him being in this kind of show and how he transferred those skills. Uh, you know, tried to focus more on, on that part, on the storytelling um, than on just, you know, terrible things have happened. However, I would say if we were making it now, I mean, I would love to do an episode on the Capitol riots. I mean, what you see happening now is the, they're piecing together, you know, these, as the documentary footage comes in, people's cell phone footage, they're starting to recreate moment by moment what happened and make a story out of this kind of crazy thing that when you were watching on TV, you didn't really see much, but, um, you know, it's like what we've learned from reality TV is like, okay, how can we retell this story? There's a couple ways to retell this story. And that's what's happening now. Yeah, you bring up a good point because um, what I took away from what you just said was, yeah, what about true crime? Because I'm thinking like <laughs> piecing. And so obviously a lot of stuff had to end up on the cutting room floor. Um, that, you know, that's one genre that obviously anything else that was tough to part with that maybe our season two will cover? We wanted to do something on casting. We had some great casting directors and, you know, all those classes that teach you how to be a reality star. That was a fascinating road. We didn't get to really go down um, just because of time. And we didn't really get into a lot of the like manly shows, you know, the... Um, yeah, ice road truckers and gold right. rushes. Yeah, that's yeah, that yeah. was what I was sad about. My yeah. my personal view <laughs> ended up like I don't I can't say I know a whole lot about the housewives, so I kind of just let let the experts deal with that. But 
I, I am huge uh, into competition and, and uh, yeah, um, <laughs> discovery shows and, and uh, mm -hmm. it didn't, didn't really make it. Um, I mean, there were mentions, but didn't we didn't go deep diving into anything? Yeah. We 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 told we we nearly skipped over the MTV challenge, which was very sad to me because it's such a huge. I mean, again, it could have been an entire episode just on one show. And enduring, enduring. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it season? I I heard the other day. Is it season thirty nine of the challenge? Right um, I should <laughs> so know crazy. this for sure, but we're right around there. I th That's I, so crazy. I, I thought thirty. Seven, but amazing yeah. amazing a lot. <laughs> yeah a lot of challenges a lot a lot so it's interesting again sort of like the meta-ness of the show because um in the midst of producing this the uh black lives matters protests happen and sort of this national reckoning about race and i noticed a new segment which i really appreciated which was this round table um that Andy had with black producers um one of whom i've had on my podcast holly carter i adore her um, was that something that sort of after, you know, the protests and George Floyd that thought like, we really have to go a step farther to include something, uh, broader in that context? Like, what were those conversations? Do you remember the, the, I think it was, um, well, I wanted to do so something focusing on women in particular. Um, and, uh, this was right when I think Kamala Harris was nominated and it was like, oh God, she could be the first black female president. And, you know, we had in an earlier episode, How the Other Half Lives, about this whole genre of upscale pe black people living these glamorous, interesting lives and how there's such a loyal audience for that. And it was kind of like, okay, we can talk about this issue a couple times. Like it doesn't have to all be addressed at this one moment. And, uh, you know, I love Mona Scott Young. I love, I mean, I love all the people in that and just had so many interesting things to say. And that was one of the few areas where we really got to talk about behind the scenes of the industry and the prejudices and the difficulties, you know, we never really get into discussions about unions, you know, how the whole genre is on you. I mean, there's a lot of ways we could have gone. Um, but that just, it felt like the right place at the right time. And it's something that Andy's very much in the middle of and cares about. Yeah. It felt, it felt very, it struck the right notes in my opinion. And, um, that just leads me, sorry, I'm all over the place, but I'm, I don't know how, I feel like we've talked for 10 minutes and somehow we're almost <laughs> at 50 minutes. I have no idea how the time has gone, but, um, but when you bring that up, it made me think about, um, behind the scenes again, like the little, and that was something we talked about in development. Like what are those like Easter eggs? What are those things that people are going to be like, wow, I didn't know that. And I loved hearing, um, you know, the behind the scenes of like, well, this show we shopped everywhere and it was rejected or, you know, the, the, the girls next door story. And I'm, I'm not going to spoil anything, but that I had no idea about how that was originally conceived versus, what happened and then sort of like the chemistry of the of the stars of that show. I mean, there were so many, I was actually honestly surprised at how many gems people were forthcoming about. I really enjoyed, enjoyed all the little surprises. Yeah, I mean, it seemed, you, we could have just done the entire series on origin stories alone because they were so like, you know, it is so hard to, to come up with a show and actually get it on air. I mean, there were so many twists and turns and, 
stops and starts and things that go in different directions. And every show has their story and some were fascinating. Um, can you think of one, Lauren, that was really? One of the things that was also a running theme in our, in our interviews, and we only got to use a tiny part of, was asking people, what's the worst show idea you ever heard? What's, and oh, yeah. everybody had a bag full of the most entertaining, hilarious shows. And we only got to go down uh, that road a little bit because that, that was really uh, funny to me. Did Doug Ross tell you the monkey on the back one? That's that's the one he told on my podcast. That was very, really funny. The, <laughs> what were you going to say, think, Dave? I'm trying to think of one like that didn't make it, but something coming to mind is uh, Pin Pinvidic. Uh, oh, Bram Pinvidic. Yeah, yeah. How he was just talking about how everyone everyone thinks they're uh, they're uh, they have a reality show, a good idea, you know. And he was in the water someday with and someone introduced him to some doctor when they were surfing, and the doctors. The doctor's like, I got tons of great ideas I want to pitch to you. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got a ton of great surgeries I want to pitch to you. <laughs> and the guy was, and I, I, I don't know if that made it into the episode. The, uh, no, that's great. Uh, like, yeah, it was, um, that hit home, being in development. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. We've all, yeah, that's really good. I'm really thankful that you got in, of course, my favorite moment ever of reality TV, Tyra Banks saying, we were all rooting for you. So that made it. I was happy. Okay, so I have to ask, I, I think this is in the, tr the promo, so I'm not spoiling it. Mama June is a part of the show and there's some good teasing of kind of like, where is she now? And <laughs> how's she doing? And I mean, I, I was interested. I got to admit, I wanted to know. So is there a good behind the scenes story of how, I, I was kind of surprised to be honest that she participated. How'd you get her? Um, I was an executive at WeTV uh, for the last four years leading up to making this series. So I actually had a relationship with June and with her manager, Gina, and the whole family. And felt that they needed to have a voice in this series. And uh, they came on board pretty quickly. When I presented it to Andy, he was kind of like, huh, okay. And their interview together was so funny. It's exactly as it plays. They're both staring at each other like- <laughs> She's like, what? oh, he's checking the Instagram. That was hilarious. <laughs> He was so Who busted, but they like bonded and it was just, it's just charming to watch, you know, it's charming to watch. And, uh, they are launching a new season. And of course we didn't want to give away too much of what's going to be on that air. That was another big thing with the current shows like, um, 90 day fiance. And, you know, a lot of the shows we cover are on right now. And that reality is unfolding of what they're filming. So just another tightrope. And lastly, I, I, I'm not spoiling anything by, by ending it on what I love, the last line of the show, which is, as long as there's a story to tell each other, the story of reality TV will continue. That made me a little emotional. <laughs> is that Lauren's brilliance? Indeed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's so true, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, it's, it's a genre about humanity and our connection with each other. And just always keeps coming back to that time and time again. You know, we wanted every episode to have 
a thematic idea as we had planned. Um, but then we wanted to have like a little twist. We wanted to have something unexpected, a thought at the end that made you look at the genre in a, in a new light. And yeah, that's what it, it comes down to for me. And it was interesting he hearing some some experts uh, and critics they all talk about the like where where it's heading and is is social is the digital platforms going to um, completely kill cable or or did did cable create a monster that's going to end up cannibalizing itself like you know, there are all these very interesting uh, discussions that yeah who knows what the answers are but stories aren't going anywhere. It's always going to be stories. And that's why we'll need a sequel. <laughs> yes, Second season. A lot, lot to cover. I hope so. So as we wrap up, tell us what, I want to get this name of the show right and when it's premiering for everybody. So tell us, Lauren. The show is called For Real, the story of reality TV. It premieres March uh, 25th. It's on Thursday nights. There's seven episodes. We are following the Kardashians, uh, which is a great time slot. and you know, hope everybody gets to watch it. And I just also wanted to say thank you again to you for all the work you did in the beginning, planting this genre. And often, and I hope you include this in your podcast, we would share your podcasts with different producers among the production crew. And like, let's listen to this. This is inspiring. This is interesting. So thank you for being a huge part of it. Oh my God, Lauren, you're now you're surprising me with information. I'm getting a little emotional. That's very sweet. Thank you. Well, you know, I, I, I you just let me speechless. That's well, I, very... need, I, need to, I need to thank everyone who just, who contributed and, and actually did interviews for us because, you know, there's, it takes some amount of trust. You never know where, where a series is going to go if they're really trying to fool you and, and, and go into a dark area that, but, but they trusted us and I hope hope everyone's, you know, we can't please everyone. So I'm, I'm expecting a few emails, but but uh, I hope everyone um, is happy with it. That's That was our intention just to kind of um, create something celebratory and and smart and and fun to watch. Agree. And, and lastly, I want to give a shout out to Lindsay Giggy, who was yeah. amazing AP. It was her first TV gig. She knocked it out of the park. I had so much fun working with her. She's so smart and she's such a fan of the genre. So I hope you guys had an equally awesome experience. Yeah. I mean, she, she wrote her thesis or college thesis on reality television, right? So it's like, we need her. Remember I was like, Dave, I don't yeah. think you can get better than this. Okay. Oh my God. You were, and you're right. <laughs> she was amazing the, the whole way through. And she was yeah. particularly helpful during the interviews when, we were all trying to refer to something or a place or a date or something. And she would be texting, oh, you mean this? And it was called oh this and it was made it's by like this. an encyclopedia. I know it's crazy, crazy. So cool. Well, thank you both so much. Obviously we need another separate podcast for, I mean, Lauren, you've had such an incredible career and you know, you're, uh, you're award-winning producer director. So that's for another day, but thank you both for being a part of this and making great content. I really enjoyed it and I hope everyone will watch. Thank you. Thank you.